Hello and welcome back to the OmniTalk Fast Five. It is April 10th, 2020. We are in week, God, I don't even remember, of the coronavirus outbreak. It's almost the new normal to work from home. Joining me as always are, of course, Anne. Hello, everyone. We're still alive in Minneapolis. And wearing the flashy red shirt today, Carter Jensen. I'm not wearing the red shirt. If you're not watching the video, Anne's got a great red shirt on. The rest of us have adorned the normal black uh, that we, I feel we do. Yeah, you and I look very similar today, Carter. And of course, Emma, the intern from Jersey. How are you? Real good. <laughs> hey, get in there. Doing all right? Doing all right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's start it off like we did last week, too, because I thought it was fun. We got a lot of great feedback on the episode last week. Actually, the episode last week um, was, we keep setting records, one of our most, was our most open Fast Five uh, of all time. So thank you to everyone out there. Thank you for everyone that tunes in every single week. Uh, with us. Let's start off like we did. Like, What's been the biggest surprise for you guys this week? What, what's what's taking you by storm in the world of retail and, and, and living right now? Uh, I went to the grocery store for the first time in a while. You did? How oh, you that? did. Carter, yeah. You tell us about it because you yeah, had it, a special experience there. A special experience. That's what, this is what we're considering special these days. Um, yes. No, it was it was good. You know, we've been doing grocery delivery and then my wife has been going a couple different times and I went early in the morning and it was pretty normal. I mean, obviously we had a heightened sense of uh, of awareness and what was kind of going on around me and all that kind of fun stuff. But, uh, you know, I paid, I paid special attention to the checkout registers because last week we had talked all about the plexiglass and talked about some of the precautions that special grocery retailers were taking on. Um, and they had a plexiglass guard that was really well installed. I, it was really easy. Um, so I went ahead and set my basket down and they went ahead and, you know, scanned all the items in. And then I placed my phone contactless payment through my iPhone right there. And I found out that face ID works through plexiglass. It was flawless. And so I never actually had to touch anything in terms of payment, double tap the side button face ID authenticated. And we were out the door without having to touch any uh, payment terminals, uh, which I thought was really interesting. So technically, if you think about it, you know, beyond the basket that I guess I touched, you know, really, it's just you and the person who's checking it, checking out your products who are actually touching the products before they get bagged, um, which I still think could be improved. But it was just a fascinating experience to kind of see how minimal, you know, kind of the, the object to finger touching could actually be. Yeah, you can actually put things behind plexiglass. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You also, didn't you also have like an order? I remember you texting me. Didn't you have like an order pickup experience too at like a restaurant uh, or something that was like that? I have to be careful before we run out we of time. We don't have to name restaurants. To the stories. Oh, I'm for sure. So here, here's the thing. First of all, you should go do takeout. Like regardless, you need to support your restaurants and I will forever... I'm feeling for these guys They're They did nothing wrong and they are just getting destroyed like many companies are right now. And so I think you should be doing takeout as much as you possibly can. Now, my wife and I chose a night to do takeout. It was going to be Friday night. It was going to be a treat. We haven't actually eaten out in a while for obvious reasons. We're like, you know what? We're going to go and we're going to do it. The takeout experience was one of the worst consumer experiences that I've ever experienced, like ever gone through. And I was immediately kind of put in my place by my wife. She's like, you got to give them credit. You have to give them slack. They're doing the best they can with what they have. And I, I completely agree. Like I am not mad at the restaurant. I'm not mad at really anyone. What I'm sad about though, is I worry that the lack of, or kind of just the mess that curbside pickup is for a lot of restaurants is potentially hurting the one thing that they have going for them right now. So 
am I mad at that restaurant? No. Will I go there again? A hundred percent. Will I probably go there more because I feel bad about it? Yeah, probably. But what I'm worried about is right now when people are choosing whether to make something at home with the stockpile of groceries that they've worked so hard to do or splurge, potentially spending money that they're not confident they're going to have. And they're sitting there looking at the refrigerator and like, do we take, do take out or curbside pickup or do we make something here? They're going to remember the horrible two and a half hour ordeal that you went through to get a hamburger. And I worry that that is ultimately going to cut a potential decent, not great revenue stream greatly. So Right. Well, and I think I you won't go into detail, but well, no, but I think that's good. And I think you had a point when you and I were talking about it earlier in the week too, which is important to bring up too, which is you've got all these delivery services, right? And now all these restaurants are drinking from a fire hose on how to handle this. But in a lot of ways, the consumer is now just acting as the driver. And so how do we take the software capabilities that possibly already even exist, make the driver the equivalent of the consumer now and ask them to just do what a driver does on a, on a regular basis? Because a lot of that works fairly seamlessly and has worked for a long time. And that way you're not having to recreate something completely new from the ground up, which I thought was a a really interesting point. What about you, Emma? I had to go to CVS to pick up a prescription and the pharmacy was absolutely packed and every single person in there was wearing masks and it made everything just seem so real. And the governor of New Jersey actually put into effect that you legally have to wear masks now if you go into grocery stores or pharmacies. Yeah, I was the only person without one. Felt kind of left out, but yeah. Well, and as much as I joke, you don't actually live in New Jersey either. So like, I just like to know it's kind of our running joke here at Amitok. You're actually in New York, but yeah, that's gotta be a surreal experience. I've had a few people tell me about that too. And one guy, the opposite where he was the only one wearing a mask and, and then he thought people were looking at him like, Oh my God, we're all going to wear masks now. What about you, Ann? What about you? What's new? What's new for you? Well, I have to say, I think the biggest uh, adjustment this week has been starting school with the kids. And oh, I know, God, Chris, yeah. you guys are doing this too. But the funniest part was watching a third grade teacher hold a conference call with 17 children. <laughs> I mean, you got to love these teachers. Yeah. This is seeing firsthand all that they have to deal with, with all of our kids every day. And now on a conference call, trying to get them, to, you think it's bad. Like our situation is bad trying to get people to mute themselves on conference calls. Uh, so you yeah. should see 17 third graders who have questions about minutia of how distance learning is going to work. So thank you to the teachers. Yeah. That was the most insane thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah. That's a crazy effort. Yeah. I've been living through that too. I think the other thing for me, like on our job, one of the big surprises for me, was like, interviewing people where it's the two of us with a guest for our podcast is really challenging. Like, because you can't use nonverbal cues to, um, you know, basically know when the, when each other should talk. And so it's really challenging to figure out the dynamics of that, but we're starting to learn some different things. The other thing that was really cool, as you can see now, I learned virtual backgrounds, everybody. And I know this makes for great podcast theater, but if you're watching online, check it out. Shout out to the alma mater and the stand. So the rest of the world has been on Zoom now for about three and a half <laughs> weeks. And I jumped on to our pre-show meeting. And this is the main talking point that Chris had. Chris, and nobody love- can see you when Carter's talking, just FYI. So. Oh, yeah, quiet, right. so everyone- <laughs> Chris, tell us about your backgrounds because we know that you'd like to share that. No, it's okay. We don't need to go back to the backgrounds. But I do have something fun that I want to cover today. So this comes from a reader. Uh, it comes from a, re- uh, a reader. Jeez. Yeah, he actually reads our stuff. So that's true. But it also comes from a loyal fan uh, by the name of John Gunn. 
And he sent me some cool information after listening to last week's podcast. And the information comes from Stackline. And Stackline is a retail intelligence and software company. And what they did is they did something really cool. They looked at March 2020 data against March 2019 data in e-commerce. And they listed out the top growing and top declining categories for the month of March. Now, I want to go a little family feud style on this. Kind of survey says, round the horn with you guys and Carter, Emma, the intern. And I want you guys to guess what some of the top 10 fastest growing categories were and what some of the top 10 fastest declining categories were in the month of March. Are you ready? As ready as we're as going re- to be. As ready as you're ever going to be. Let's do yes. our Omni Talk listeners proud. All right, Carter, let's start with you. Survey says the off. top answer on the board for one of the fastest growing categories in March was... Toiletries? Toiletries. Toilet paper. Believe it or not, and this, and I should... I should caveat this it's growth rates so percentage gains over the year prior believe it or not toilet paper did not was not one of the top 10 product categories in the i just keep March hearing people toilet. having to go dtc online toilet paper ordering because they couldn't find it anywhere else i thought I that would drive some insane growth you'd think right maybe in stores more so but again just e-commerce did it and what about you i'm gonna go frozen pizza frozen pizza also did not make the list wow no you way. so disappointing Gosh, my gosh, Richard, what's his name? Richard Dawson. He would not be kissing any foreheads today. All right. Emma, that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> yeah, that's I'll take anymore. that. I'll take the <laughs> fail. for th- <laughs> That would not be allowed anymore. Emma, the intern. How about you? Let's milk and dairy. Milk and dairy. Milk, I believe. Milk was number nine at a 279% Woo! growth Thanks rate. Thanks, job, Emma. All right. The return of the milkman, right? That's the That was the headline I saw. That's right. And Carter, let's give you guys one more chance to redeem yourself. Carter, go for it. We're still on most increased? Yes, most increased. Um, Least increases in the month of March. Frozen meats? Frozen meats. No, and? Playing cards. Playing cards. Oh, also a good guess. No. Actually, the number one category? Disposable gloves, 670% growth. Protect PPE. Yeah. Yeah. Number two was bread makers. Number three were cough and cold items. Four was soups, which I'm surprised was not guessed. Too obvious. Yeah, too (laughs) obvious for this group. And number five was dried grains and rice. All right, let's take one guess each on the fastest declining categories in the month of March. Emma, why don't you start since you seem to be the most adept at this game? Swimwear. Swimwear, Boom. Boom, number four, 64% down for men was number four and number seven for women at 59% down. So good guess. And cosmetics, uh, cosmetics. No, that did not make the top 10. Carter. What about like luggage? I'm thinking. Oh, Carter, big brain on bread. Luggage. Number one, 77% decline. Over the year before. The other interesting one in this category that I think Anne will find it very interesting, gym bags, number 10, down 57%. Just guess you don't need one of those anymore. But right. yes, briefcases, cameras, uh, bridal clothing, formal wear, boys' athletic shoes for some random reason, those also made the top 10 list. So thanks to John Gunn for sending that our way. Uh, we love when we hear things from our listeners, and that's hopefully you guys had a little fun with that and found that pretty interesting too. All right, let's get to the top stories. Of course, this week, we've got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Our sponsors are Trigo. Trigo is developing the most advanced AI and computer vision-based checkout-free system for the grocery industry. 
Using standard cameras and proprietary algorithms, Trigo converts real-size stores, introducing a frictionless shopping experience. Together with Tesco, Trigo is currently piloting the world's largest checkout-free store. To learn more, visit www.trigo.tech. And Insignia. Insignia is a leader in in-store and mobile marketing. Forward-looking and nimble, Insignia pushes the boundaries for others to follow. With a suite of tactics, including signage, merchandising, display, and mobile, Insignia is the right partner to attract new shoppers and grow your business. Insignia, be discovered. All right. Well, if this isn't obvious to everyone, I've had a ton of coffee today. So let's get to headline number one. This one's huge, you guys. So Gap Inc. has canceled their summer and fall orders as a result of COVID-19. That's right. So according to uh, the business of fashion, uh, U.S. clothing giant Gap has paused production on next season's next season's excuse me items and asked suppliers not to ship products already completed unless they are for the company's online platform. The company, of course, whose brands include Gap, Banana Republic, and Old Navy, had already canceled or delayed a series of orders, but in an email sent to vendors, reportedly its executive vice president for global sourcing asked suppliers to more or less stop everything at this point. Now, we've been bantering this around the halls of OmniTalk or across each other's uh, neighborhoods for a bit of time here, but this story is big, and I think it pretends something interesting. Anne, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. There's not a lot of data out there besides like the the bigger players. So Target, H&M, Zara, um, some of these companies who've been in the news because they have paused orders. Um, But yeah, there's not a lot of information going out there. And we know, though, from talking to people who are in the apparel sector that they're getting hit really hard. Um, We also have been, you know, in that same article, it's not just, you know, the gap employees that are pausing and the stores that are closing, but it's really the impact that this has on the economies of places like Bangladesh, where, you know, they have 4 million people who are working to make the clothes that are being shipped and they only get paid when they ship the orders to retailers. And right now that's either impossible because the stores are closed or retailers like gap are having to cancel orders. So I think, um, you know, this is going to have a, a bit much bigger impact on what happens and what the fallout is for companies like Gap um, if they're going to be able to come back and return from this and a lot of the other mall-based stores that are in their similar position. So it's it's a hard thing. Apparel is going to take a major hit this year. So, Carter, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the ripple effect is huge. And I think it's not only for this, you'll see this come in other industries as well, where we may not directly see it here in the U.S. because it's being, you know, the blunt, the brunt of this is being, you know, felt in other countries where to your point and so much of the economy is is based on these orders so um yeah it's just really sad so i have a question chris because i you might have more background in this just given your merchandising experience but where is all this product going to go i mean is it going to the outlet centers like i mean it's obviously by the time that everybody's back up and running we're going to be out of that season so you're for sure skipping one if not two clothing cycles what happens to that stuff i couldn't find out I think that's a good question and it's going to be case by case, but I think that's, and Carter, that's where I disagree a little bit. I think it is going to have an impact at home. And I think this is the financial impact that's not being talked about enough, or at least Anna and I've talked about this and don't think it's being talked about enough. But if you look at the timing of when this happens, right, the, the hard part is that in apparel, you're placing your goods, you know, six to nine months out at least, right. In terms of what you're ordering and manufacturing, it just takes that long. And so you're seasonally very in front of it, especially when you, when you're talking about bricks and mortar retailing. The other dynamic here is that you have, 
you have COVID breaking right before the summer, right? Late spring and into summer. And so all that product is, you know, essentially is set to arrive. And even if it still arrives, if stores aren't open, you know, people don't need that. You don't need shorts and, you know, short sleeve tees and stuff when it's September and October, if that's when we all kind of go back to normal. And I know people are talking about bringing that up, but who the hell really knows, right? And then at the same time, discretionary spending is probably going to be less than it was even when things go down uh, or get back to normal. So that means you're sitting, you're just going to be sitting on a glut of inventory. So yes, you've got the upstream effects, but from a markdown perspective, that's going to be a bloodbath. You sell it out to third party, you know, retailers that, you know, try to take that stuff. You send it out to jobbers, who knows? I'm sure they're trying to figure all of that out right now, but it's going to be a pretty, pretty painful process for a lot of these retailers, even after they open as a result of that. And that's the thing I think that's, that's not getting talked about enough. Is this going to be like, Chris, is this going to be like when the bulls didn't win the, like the championship and all the like leftover bulls champions t-shirts that were printed, just like end up going to orphanages somewhere or like, do we have I, any idea? It's not a bad analogy. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of similar to that. I, I honestly, yeah, I mean, you're going to be selling this stuff for pennies I mean, on the so dollar to whoever is going to take it. Or yeah. the other thing that these guys might do, which which I didn't bring up before, you might just sit on this and just say, hey, we're going to wait a cycle and it comes in next year. Or I wouldn't, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that to some degree because sure. it's not like fashion is trended uh, this year. Uh, for that reason. But Emma, what do you got? What do you have to add on this one? The parent company that owns Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger is saving, they're asking retailers to save all of their apparel for summer 2020 and just put it out summer 2021. Yeah. To that point. Yeah. I, th- I felt like I had read that somewhere. It was probably on our, e- on our text discussion throughout the week, but yeah, it's going to be wild to watch, but this is one we're calling out for our listeners because it, it, I don't think it's getting enough attention and that's what we try to do. So, all right, Carter, you want to take us to story number two? Yeah, totally. So uh, according to Chain Storage, Wayfair is postponing the biggest shopping event here this spring. And that's the one we always like to talk about. And that's Way Day. So, um, you know, ultimately Wayfair is delaying this annual online shopping holiday, but will offer another special digital promotion. So instead, the company plans to host a special promotion event, as uh, Chain Storage says, during the second quarter. It says the offer um, will bring the best value to customers and will donate a portion of these proceeds uh, to benefit the broader community. So uh, we will miss Way Day this year. And I think we're going to miss a lot of online virtual uh, shopping events that we love to talk about. If you remember in years past, we've live streamed Amazon Prime Day. We we, we really love these things here at the Fast Five. And um, it's sad to see some of these events being pushed, but you can understand really the business case of why they're doing it. What I'll be curious to see is what are these... Uh, what are these other events that they're going to put? Is it going to be anything special or is it just going to be heavily discounted products with a little bit of good sprinkled in with a portion of uh, the price going to something, uh, some sort of charity? Yeah. And Prime Day, right. Is part of this too, right, Carter? Like, so Prime Day is, they're talking about potentially delaying that as well. Right. Emma didn't, didn't, that was part of the news this week, Emma. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's gonna, yeah, I don't wait for, I mean, wait a God, it is our favorite thing to make fun of and it should be, but you know, it's not surprising to see that that thing is going to, is going to be put on hold. Although I got to say Wayfair is not shy on emailing me about every piece of office furniture that I need right now. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they're actually pulling it given that this is probably a pretty apropos time to them and they're stocking. Me too. Me Skyrocky. too. Go and why do you I say don't, that? Okay. If I'm Wayday, one, you have people right now who need your product. Right. Okay. If I was Wayday, 
One, they did a great job last year of doing the live streaming events. Yep. I would set up a fake house. I would start to go around the house and be like, what do you need right now? Also, what are you willing to spend money on right now? Not right. in Q2 because people still have money right now. Q2 is going to be a different story. So what I start doing is I go around and I take standing desks and can you flash sale standing desks right. and you set up people's offices and you set up their houses. Like what are those core components that I can get that I'm willing to spend some money on to make my life simpler right now? I cannot believe they're canceling it. I would still, I'd be full steam ahead and I would like take full advantage of the situation right now. Q2 oh. is going to be a disaster. Okay, I, have so this, I have to agree. Like, you I agree. Mean, I was going to ask you. Okay. You agree. No, I totally agree. And there's some industries right now to Anne's point that can really capitalize on this new work from home mentality, especially for their type of consumer. Um, I was actually talking about, um, you know, a high end audio brand that, you know, we work with a little bit and it's like, is really someone going to spend $350 on a wireless speaker? And the answer is, well, yeah, because you go from spending 15% of your waking time in your home to a hundred and all of a sudden you're looking around to figure out how do you level up this environment to make these times a bit easier. And I think furniture and and like, you know, the, the Wayfair is probably a closer reality to that. It's more necessity. You don't necessarily need good audio. Um, But I think there's a lot of people trying to figure out how do you work from home and how do you live in a space where you weren't expected to, you'd never have spent so much time. Also kids, like kids desks. Like all the kids rooms, I, distance learning. Right, like how right. are you, you need stuff right now to make it life possible for everybody to be at home right now. And there's not a better time that you could use Wayfair products, I would argue. Any time that, of the year. That is fascinating. So to you guys, there is no public relations followed on this. You actually think, hey, we actually need it. People like go play it up. This is now's your chance. Like you've been wanting e-commerce. You've been wanting to build your brand awareness. Go for it. Oh, it makes sense. Wayfair's never been really on top of understanding how to build their brand across America. So not surprising. Maybe they're missing the mark on this, but we'll see if maybe they're coming up with something different and something along the angles that you guys are describing, or maybe they'll hear the podcast and be like, Hey, let's figure this out and make it happen. All right, let's keep moving. Story number three. All right. Story number three. So we've got a lot of retailers putting measures in place this week to limit the number of shoppers that they can have in their stores at one time to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. So we've got a few of notes kind of all combined into one story. Uh, Walmart's limiting it, uh, their admittance to five people per 1,000 square feet of space. Target and Costco are managing traffic flow. Kroger's using QVision technology to monitor customer flow through the doors of the store. Lowe's developed an app for employees that will show uh, where foot traffic is within the store. And finally, in the biggest hashtag Florida moment, Publix is not doing anything. (laughs) Publix that has 806 stores in Florida or somewhere around there has just said, you know what, you guys, I think you guys got this. You should, you should just keep, uh, keep all those people in the like 60 plus age category that make up the majority of your demographic. You should just, you should just wing it. So, um, yeah, I, I can't believe this. It's crazy to me. Um, I think that stores eventually should just be moving to the pickup only model. Like Kroger, we talked about last week. I think it's only a matter of time before they're forced to, but, um, Chris, I, you, we were on a call this week and you brought up a really good point that I think you should share too, is comparing this to a black Friday situation for the Mm. employees and for the stores, because I think that's that's right. Like when you think about what this is requiring of people um, in the store, the people who are already, you know, barely making it day to day. Now they have to monitor traffic. Like t- talk about that a little bit, if you will. 
Yeah, sure. No, not for sure. I mean, I think, yeah, and I'm curious based on Carr's experience too, with what he had in the store this week, how much this resonates or how much it more it will resonate over time. Um, I think it'll be a good thing to debate, but yeah, I mean, with all these measures going into place and all the quote unquote traffic, traffic metering, I think the thing it's most akin to is what you see on Black Friday. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to watch it, especially this weekend going into Easter where people still you know want to make sure they get things to celebrate that holiday in the, the way they want to celebrate it. Just talking to some friends of mine, that's going to be a crucial point of, of watching how the stores play out. And so, yeah, when I hear stories like Publix, um, you know, say they're going to leave it basically every man or every woman to himself in a store to manage this, which isn't what they do day in and day out without any standard processes or procedures for to handle it, for how to handle it. I think that's just a, that's a, it's in a lot of ways, it's a powder keg, just, just waiting to explode. I mean, I've worked Black Friday. I've worked Black Friday in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And quite honestly, it was one of the scariest moments of my life because all hell broke loose and none of us were exactly sure what was going to happen next. And given just how stressed out people are, high anxiety people are, it's that's it's a fearful situation if people aren't prepared for that day in and day out. And quite honestly, I'm not sure, like we said last week, I'm not sure people are necessarily, if this is a safer way to shop. Like it's safer to get your products delivered to your house if you can do that. It's safer to do order pickup. Um, but I don't know, Carter, tell us, are we crazy? Like what's, you were just, you were in a store. I've, I will not go to the stores anymore other than if it's through digital or pickup. So uh, just based on how I feel personally, but what what's your take? Yeah, I have a lot to, to say about this one. I think, you know, I was first going to dive in and I still will a little bit about what's happening in store, but I think it's important to realize that there are so many alternatives now and there's gonna be a lot of weight on those alternatives. A lot of what, which we have talked about over the last few weeks from delivery to curbside pickup. And you're going to see innovation around that space, uh, not only for grocery, but even at, as my rant earlier uh, for, for restaurants and things like that. Um, not only was I in a store, you know, about 10 years ago when I started my world in advertising crowd control for major events in retail buildings was a, was a job of mine. Um, and we flew in stanchions. We hired staff. We looked at, you know, camera angles and tried to figure out everything from line cues to pinch points to that kind of stuff. Now, there we were worried about safety, kind of like Black Friday. Here, it is still safety, but it's not as obvious, right? No. You know, it is, you know, are they 10 feet apart? Are they clustered a little too closely? It's not as like a, immediate, but it's still real. And so what I think you're going to see is is two things. I think you're you're already seeing some stores like the the Lunds I went to already has printed these really nice stickers. They're on brand that show where you're supposed to stand as you, you know, wait in line for, uh, for the checkout. And they go all the way down the aisle. And I think you're going to see that plus some over the next 12 months to say, how are we reformatting some of our aisles and shelving? And how are we ensuring that people can queue safely without interfering with others who are trying to shop the aisles? I think that is just, you know, table stakes and you're going to see that continue to develop. But I also think, and we mentioned this a little bit with Kroger, you're going to see technology come in to play a little bit here. Um, and you're all of a sudden going to realize that all the innovation that some of these leading retailers have put into place, whether it's from customer tracking or connected employees, or if you even look at like how much Home Depot, regardless of how well they're performing, has done with like their app and what happens when you open that thing up. These types of things are tools that are going to be able to be leveraged, still going to be a lot of work, but are going to be leveraged to figure out how do you make the in-store experience feel safer? Because a lot of for these, a lot of for retailers, I mentioned last week too, like that is their X factor, the in-store stuff. So, you know, how do you make that uh, accessible as quickly as possible for people to feel as safe as they can to come back in the store? Yeah, you're right. It's going to open up the floodgates. And I imagine we'll probably talk about this more next week because I can already see the crescendo starting to happen or the wave starting to 
starting to crest, which is this is opening the floodgates on location tracking and people tracking in a store because now it's almost a required element, which also brings a heightened sense of what the hell is going on when I shop, which not everyone's going to be comfortable with. So there's a lot of weird intersections starting to happen here. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to watch how it plays out. And again, the question is, you know, is being in store the safest place? But then the alternatives, can they actually keep up with the pace of demand too? I think you're seeing a lot of stories now where, you know, as much as delivery is an option, it just can't keep pace with what the needs are and what the timing is. But in the interest of time, let's keep moving. Emma, do you want to take story number four? Story number four. Macy's CFO, Paula Price, will leave the company after less than two years in the role. She decided to leave the company as of May 31st after about 22 months in the role and will remain as an advisor through November 2020. Oof. Big oof. I'll take this one first, you guys, if you don't mind. But like, I think this one's really fascinating. Like, we've talked a lot about Macy, so I'm not going to hammer the point home. But you know, I, I again, I question just what's going on in terms of the leadership and the board. I, I didn't know this, but I took a look at, uh, at Ms. Price's background. She actually has not held a role with a company since 2014. She's been on the board of many companies since that time. In that interim period, since she took the job at Macy's two years ago, she was a visiting essentially a visiting lecturer or professor at the Harvard Business School, but she really hasn't held a role since 2014. And that was as the chief financial officer with Ahold in the grocery industry. So again, to think that that's someone who's been out of the business for that long of a period of time, that's going to be someone who can come around and handle the dynamics that are going to be thrown at Macy's from a transformational perspective, given everything that's coming at it. I think you have to ask some serious questions there. And again, this comes on the heels of Hal Naughton, who was brought in to lead the uh, the digital side of the business, I'm not mistaken, you know, was one of the chief people uh, charged with that. And he left after two years to become the CEO of the tractor supply company. So you wonder where whether his head was in the game the entire time or if that was his whole plan to begin with. So again, not only from a strategic standpoint, you have to question what Macy's has done, but also from a people standpoint in terms of who they're staffing and asking to do some of these roles, man, we need some more oversight on this. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know. And any two cents there, but yeah. otherwise we can probably keep going. I mean, whoever is coming into this role next has got their work cut out for them. I have a feeling it's going to be a long time before they find another person to come in and fill those shoes. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about it, but like you almost need like somebody that's in a CFO of more of like a traditional like someone that's maybe taken a startup into like an IPO stage that understands like how to productize products, right? And get behind innovation and invest in R&D and things of that nature. Getting the same creatures of habit from retail to help Macy's through all this isn't going to work because my God, do they need something big. Totally. And to understand where the right areas are to invest in. I mean, the pilots that they have going, the story investment, like all these things were, I think, very questionable things that uh, Macy's chose to go forward with and invest in um, over the course of the last two years. So yeah, Yeah. it'll it'll be a big job. Yeah. And real estate's always going to be a part of that too, of course, with Macy's, but all right, Carter, let's bring it home. Last story is pretty important. Bring us home with a cheery story here, man. This is sad. Shoppers are buying groceries online, obviously. Um, the Chicago Tri- Tribune reports that Illinois' 1.8 million food stamp recipients can't actually pay for grocery delivery. It's not eligible. Um, so online grocery delivery has become obviously vital for many uh, in Illinois and across the United States who are trying to stay at home during this outbreak. But food stamp recipients um, who advocates and especially, you know, the, the team who really reported this in Chicago Tribune uh, claim that these recipients are at greater risk aren't able to shop this way. So uh, this is all under the U.S. Department of Agriculture who runs uh, the program as we often refer to it as SNAP, but the Supplemental 
nutrition assistance program. Um, they require customers to use those benefits. And this is legal mumbo jumbo, but um, at the place of sale. And so online grocery delivery does not count for that. Um, some retailers such as Walmart are, are starting to um, figure out ways around this. So they, they've allowed customers to shop online and during the in-store pickup actually pay for things there using SNAP benefits. Um, but ultimately in Illinois, as we mentioned, this 1.8 million person population isn't able to leverage those benefits uh, in this more safe kind of logistical um, way to do things during this, uh, this outbreak. So uh, a really sad story and ultimately an example of how um, technology just hasn't kept up. You know, they're, they're not able and, and um, to actually execute this purchase um, virtually. And I think that it's a mix of that plus a little bit of, uh, I think, just uh, bureaucracy in the whole thing. So yeah, I think that's uh, really interesting. Yeah, I think that's it too, Carter, because there are, I think, six states piling this. Illinois is not part of it. I know, and you've done some background on this. Like, where, what's your take here? Yeah, so there are a, there are a few states piloting this. Um, Alabama, Iowa, Nebraska, New York, Oregon, and Washington State. Um, this is really, this is a hard one for me. I mean, this comes back to um, our discussion last week and kind of where is Amazon? Um, you look at the people who are working in the Amazon warehouses who are still in those trucks driving around doing Amazon delivery. Um, and in many cases, those are the hourly workers who are also needing things like the SNAP and EBT benefits. And right now, um, you know, we, we, I dug into, especially the Amazon, um, announcement of this because they did extend the states that they were piloting this SNAP program in. But to Carter's point, I mean, it's really confusing. Um, You still have minimum order requirements in order to get these things delivered to your homes. And it just surprises me that with all of the resources that Amazon has available, they aren't putting more weight from a lobbying perspective. They aren't putting more weight behind this to support their staff um, and the people that are are bringing food to every single home in America right now, that those people are the ones who don't have access to these kinds of um, capabilities right now. Um, It's just, it's unacceptable to me. Well, and I'm going to give Amazon a little bit of a break here because I'm actually going to put more of my, I think, my dissatisfaction here. And I don't usually get political on this show, but I'm going to get more, get more of my dissatisfaction with the government here. I mean, this is something to the fact that only six states are piloting something that one, people desperately need anyway. Two, this also, this also uh, hits the Women, Infant and Children program, the WIC. It's not just SNAP, right? That's a part of this too. And then the, th- the next part is that like you've got the coronavirus going on. And so you're asking disadvantaged communities to have to come in and enter a store to get their food, which we've already talked about is possibly, you know, relatively speaking, an unsafe behavior. And if they have them, and they probably are also still needing to work at this time. So give them the ability to do the things they need to get done as fast and as efficiently as possible. There's no reason this this legislation is still being held up, in my opinion, in the way that it is. I mean, Ann, I can remember back when we were at Story, when we were doing Story of the Future work, yeah. this was actually a main sticking point in terms of how we wanted to innovate in that store because Absolutely. it had to be considered. And there were only so many things you could do with it at the time because of the innovation and the legislation we were facing. And that was five freaking years ago. Right. So my yeah. God, can we use this for, can we use what's happening for something good to make the change as quickly as possible and run through this guy. We just paid trillions of dollars to people to help with things. God, it seems like we should be able to pull something like this off too. But I think on that last point too, if you're listening, if you're still sticking with us, 
Tell us the things you'd love to see change. Shoot us an email, hit us up on social media. What are the things, like if you could just ma- wave a magic wand in retail, what would you want changed right now that could make a difference? Because we're going to write about it and we're going to talk about it. For example, I'm pleased as punch that I no longer have to insert a credit card in a machine and it works through plexiglass. And I didn't know that last week until Carter went to that store. But tell us what those things are. Food stamps, WIC is on our list, making that available electronically. There's probably a lot of other things out there too, and we want to hear from you. So, all right, well, that closes us up. Thanks again for sticking with us. Please remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice, wherever you happen to listen to your podcast on a weekly basis. We've got a number of great articles out there, article on Forbes talking about Kroger's pickup store. Actually, it already has 40,000 views in 24 hours. It's one you guys are going to want to check out. We'll get it to you uh, in email here shortly as well. You may have noticed we've been doing a little rebranding on the Talk website, so stick with us. We apologize. We're still working through it. It always takes a little bit of effort to get that done. On behalf of Ann, behalf of Carter, behalf of Emma the Intern in Jersey, as always, be careful out there.